Hello and welcome to another episode of It Stinks, the Critic Podcast. Today we're looking at Season 2, Episode 2, Siskel and Ebert and Jay and Alice. And joining me as we go through this episode is a comedian and podcaster in her own right, uh, Erica Curry. Hello, Erica. Hi, how are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Good to see you. Good to see you. I'm stoked to talk about this. Awesome. So, yeah, I actually did want to ask you, like, what is your relationship to The Critic? Like, did you watch it when it was originally on? Like, are you a longtime fan? Longtime fan. Watched it when I was little, um, which is what I call my childhood, is mm-hmm. when I was little. Uh, <laughs> um, I watched it not always catching the references, obviously, sure, but yeah. loved the I guess the base jokes of like oh he's fat in this world (laughs) like oh that's funny and and he makes movie references that I've kind of heard of and you know there were some that even went over my head this round but for the most part I was I was up to date on all of them but I watched it as a kid I loved the critic I loved Duckman I loved King of the Hill yeah like adult animation was right up my alley. Yeah, I, I was kind of the same way. I loved the critic. Uh, I actually wasn't a huge King of the Hill person when it was on. I, I think because, like, you know, they said, "Oh, from the creator of Beavis and Butthead," so I expected it to be like Beavis and Butthead. And then mm-hmm. when it wasn't, I was just like, "Oh, well, this is disappointing." Um, but no, it, you totally, if you take the show on its own terms and just kind of appreciate it for what it is, it's actually really, really good. Yeah. It felt as if someone had come into my small town in Oklahoma and set up a video camera. Wow. <laughs> uh, no, that's right. Cause you, yeah, you're from Oklahoma originally. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's kind of an interesting thing that the, um, gets touched on in the critic from, uh, time to time the fact that there's a lot of like east coast elitism but like duke phillips and alice who we get introduced to this season uh are both from the south Mm -hmm. yeah so how do you feel the critic kind of represents uh people from the south i feel like i identify closer to an alice obviously (laughs) than a duke i don't know anyone that's like i'm a duke uh Um, but I do find that like the machismo and the earnesty is captured, like the earnesty that Alice's character brings to it and the machismo and the like honorifics that Duke brings, you know, I feel like it's a, it's not played for straight laughs. Like it is an accurate representation. Oh yeah. That's, yeah, that's really cool. I, um, yeah, the, like. Duke is definitely played more for laughs. Alice definitely more the more heartfelt character. Um, and uh, yeah, I kind of enjoy that angle of it. Alice especially, like she has a lot of like wise sayings she drops from time to time that are uh, pretty cool. She drops one in this episode that we'll uh, get to later. Um, uh, but yeah, this episode, Siskel and Ebert and Jay and Alice. And as as you can kind of guess from the title, actual film critics, uh, Roger Ebert and Gene Siskel guest star in this one. So were you, did you like ever watch Siskel and Ebert when they were on TV? 
I, I watched them when I was, you know, little. Mm-hmm. And I remember m- mainly they, they hinted at who the character or they, they covered the character, but the, the guy that was on PBS is what I watched more of, I would say, uh, with the dark hair and the mustache. Oh, Gene Shalit. Gene Shalit, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I was a bigger Gene Shalit fan, I would say, when I was a kid, uh, just because he looked funnier if you will. Oh, no, definitely. That I mean, yeah, that mustache and the kind of Bob Ross frizzy hair. Mm-hmm. Like, for sure. Uh, cool. So, yeah, let's say we actually get into this uh, episode. Um, so as it opens, uh, we are on Jay's show, Coming Attractions, and it's Oscar week. And so Jay shows us I think he says some show some uh, some movies that uh, the Oscars have overlooked. The first <laughs> one we get is Children of a Lesser Godzilla. <laughs> Godzilla is not so bad. He just cannot hear you. So like a mashup of Godzilla and Children of a Lesser God. Pretty funny. Uh, he like Godzilla does sign language. <laughs> Before eating uh, the soldiers, which is pretty good. Uh, I don't know, are you a Godzilla fan at all? I'm a I'm a big kaiju, big Godzilla fan. I nice. can't wait to watch him battle King Kong soon. Oh yes, <laughs> Th- I think that'll that will probably be out by the time this episode is out. But yeah, as we are recording, people are placing bets as to who will win, Godzilla or King Kong. Uh, I'm I'm betting on King Kong personally. I hope that they just become best friends <laughs> and, and everybody, it's just them holding hands, walking the world. I, th- yeah, I think that would be, that would be a good ending. <laughs> <laughs> I like the second movie, uh, a lot better. Uh, just, just, I was way more familiar with it. Like uh, planet of the dogs, <laughs> planet of the dogs. <laughs> So you see, we dogs evolved and have become superior to you humans in every way. Dr. Zeus, quit sniffing my butt. So sorry, I'll just rub up against the human's leg. Very good. Quit rubbing my leg, you bloody Bowsers! It's such a good joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and the, um, yeah, I just love the look of the, the general, who I guess is like a bulldog or something, just as he's, yeah, like... Barking orders around for forgive the pun, <laughs> literally. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that was good. And then, and then Jay, Jay is like, and that's it. Good night, everybody. And the um, the stagehand's like, Jay, there's 28 minutes left. That <laughs> was kind of random, but uh, hilarious. But yeah, so it is Oscar season as we have established, and Jay is actually. Uh, going to the Oscars, which I was surprised to find out going not just as, you know, as a journalist or as a uh, audience member, he gets to present an actual uh, award. Which, did they ever let critics present awards? I really don't know. It's, yeah, it's usually more like actors, uh, directors. Mm-hmm. And they even do uh, not uh, like a whole like song and dance number all about film critics yeah amazing (laughs) there's actually a lot of singing in this episode i noticed yeah there's like three songs yeah (laughs) there's 
there's the the Oscar song about critics. Jay gets a song, and then late in the episode, actual Siskel and Ebert sing a song. I was I, I didn't remember that. I was shocked when that happened. That was awesome. Yeah, that's a huge get. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to actually get two people who are not known uh, as singers to actually get them to to sing like make an earnest attempt at it that that was that was something uh but before i get too far ahead um uh so yeah so jay finds out he's going to the oscars they're flying him out to la uh he's gonna take uh, alice with him but that of course leaves alice with the question of what is she gonna do with her daughter penny um jay suggests uh that he gets his dad franklin to babysit which leads into my favorite uh, recurring gag of this episode, just Franklin and Penny together, just ruining priceless works of art. <laughs> uh, I, I like the monster truck reference as Hell well. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then I, I have to mention just in, a, in last week's episode with Brandon Beck, he specifically quoted, take that Guernica when they drive through the, Picasso painting that I think that's probably his favorite line from the whole show. But yeah, so good. So they fly to LA and in the first season, there's a whole episode set in LA, but here we get, you know, a brief, uh, uh, sojourn back to LA. And of course the jokes about LA come fast and heavy. First, there's a, a sign about how long it's been since there's been a natural disaster which immediately burns up in a wildfire. <laughs> yeah, poof. <laughs> yeah, so Erica, you're not, I know you're not from LA originally, but how, how long have you uh, been here? About 10 and a half years. All right, and how many wildfires you think have there been in that time? Uh, oh my goodness, probably close to 20. Yeah, it's it's like, you know, like the the changing of the seasons that we don't have, but you can always count on wildfires happening like yeah. at least once a year. Yep. And Unfortunately. If, if, <laughs> and if it's not that, it's earthquakes, and if it's not that, it's a giant heat wave. It's yeah, there's there's a lot that can happen here. I don't know. How do how do you how do you deal with it? I it's a lot better than tornado season. That is like every spring, oh. you know that a tornado is going to come through, rip up the barn, you know? <laughs> so it's like, I like the unpredictability of like, oh, when are we going to get a wildfire? When <laughs> is the big earthquake going to happen? Like, oh, it's a, it's a mystery. That's how I cope. It's, it's at least, you know. Sorry, did, did your childhood home, did you have like a tornado like shelter? No, we were uh, we were much too poor and trashy for that. But we did have underneath uh, our driveway there was a storm drain that that was like the plan was get to the storm drain because it was cemented over. Yeah, my school had a it did have like a tornado shelter that not all of us could have fit in. <laughs> so. Wow. <laughs> Chaos. Like the lifeboats on the Titanic. Yes. Like not enough room for everybody. So hold on to your, like, uh, we were taught to put our book over our head and crawl underneath our desk. Wow. And I'm like, what the hell is that going to do? It's <laughs> sort of like, like duck and cover from like the fifties when they were afraid of a nuclear attack. Exactly. <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> uh, but between tornadoes and wildfires, you're saying you you prefer wildfires? I feel I feel like I live far enough inland where wildfires aren't ever truly a threat to me. Like it's awful and it's a threat to everyone, but mm-hmm. I live like in the heart of the city. And, you know, I don't live that close to the coast. I don't live that close to the forest and the mountains. I'm kind of right in the middle. I think I've got a good chance of being shot, but not <laughs> killed in a wildfire. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, oh, and if uh, if people out there listening um, hate gender reveal parties uh, as much as I do, you should know that I believe like last year or the year before, there was a huge wildfire over like millions of acres that was started by a gender reveal party gone wrong. Yep. Yep. It was in 2020 for sure. Uh, so yeah, just an extra reason to really, really hate those. But it's such a good sight gag. <laughs> uh, yeah. The sign that burns up. Um, so yeah, uh, Jay is in LA. Uh, and then we, th- I think this is where we first meet Siskel and Ebert is uh, at the airport. Mm-hmm. And they're still together at at this point. They're just there. They're also there for the Oscars, but they get to ride in a limo, whereas Jay gets stuck with a rather nasty-looking biker dude. Where the hell have you been? We're going to Mexico. <laughs> With Alice on the back. <laughs> yes, he's still got Alice with him. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've never experienced anything like that in L.A., uh, luckily. We don't really have that many, like, Harley Davidson riding, like, badass biker dudes from from what I can tell. Yeah, I would say that's mostly, like, an Inland Empire thing. Yeah, yeah, like um, <laughs> like Sons of Anarchy. Uh, yeah, it's, it's nearby, but it's not an immediate threat. Yeah. <laughs> Um, although I, I guess, you know, if they made the show today, he would just like take an Uber. I haven't been in an Uber in over a year, but that (laughs) is when they want to make small talk or one wanted to recruit me into the army. And I was like, listen, I respect our men and women and non-binary friends that put themselves on the line, but I am a piece of shit. You do not want me (laughs) fighting for our country. Like I will... (laughs) Duck and cover. I was taught to put a book over my head and run away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not really frontline material either. Um, but yeah, after Jay's little misadventure with the biker dude, that kind of brings us to the first uh, uh, commercial break. And when we're back, now we are at the Oscars. Uh, so then on the red carpet, we get Jeremy Hawk are like Jay's Australian friend who doesn't really do much in this episode. I think he just kind of appears at the Oscars. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, oh, then Ebert arrives. And let's hear it for Roger Ebert. <laughs> Jay Sherman. Idiots. People cheer. Maybe the only time in history people have like cheered for a film critic. <laughs> and then Jay follows him, and of course, uh, crickets. Just classic, classic Jay, kind of getting the short end of the stick there. That's exactly what I wrote in my notes. I said crickets <laughs> for Jay. Ah, <laughs> uh, poor Jay. Um, oh, but 
then I loved this gag. We see um, Oscar Wilson, the man who modeled for the Oscar statue, who is <laughs> just an actual golden man. And his wife, uh, <laughs> whose boobs are gold, uh, is the model for the Golden Globes. Uh, gold, yeah. And their daughter, Emmy, who uh, <laughs> who has the entire, like, the the that like globe or whatever that is on her back and then their son had you heard of this award before uh the the benet brith award i i think i had heard of that but i i did have to look that up to see exactly what that is okay what what is it because i (laughs) it went over my head it is so it's not like an award like an emmy or an oscar it's actually like a like a medal that you get for serving the Jewish community or Israel. So like people that have won it in the past are like John F. Kennedy and Golda Meir. So like not people in show business at all. Got it. Got it. Beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) The show does have kind of a tendency to make like Jewish culture jokes a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I believe like season one establishes that Jay is Jewish. So they, throw in a lot of that kind of stuff <laughs> so then at the at the ceremony uh jeremy hawk presents the award for best special effects to the movie love affair for making warren Beatty look young the nominees for best special effects are love affair for making warren Beatty look like a young man uh, that's me up there <laughs> which is well a it's a funny joke but they're also kind of predicting the future because now they actually do use special effects to make actors look young yep <laughs> uh yeah like samuel l jackson in captain marvel yeah what else have they done oh well and they've also they'll just now they just bring actors back from the dead like carrie fisher in rogue one i i don't care for it i have a, a long-standing rule against holograms against people <laughs> being used for like posthumously I'm not a fan. <laughs> yeah, I think it's kind of scary for the future of movies, like what they can do. I'm putting it in my will, like when I'm dead, like don't play my voice, don't use my image, like I'm gone. Yeah. So you wouldn't even, would you go to like a, a hologram Tupac concert? Nope. Wow. Yeah. I'm you got firm, gotta, I'm firmly against. Yeah. You got to respect the dead. Like, you know. Appreciate them when they're here and then just remember them when they're gone, right? Right. Like the Paramount Plus has Lucy and Desi, like the commercials for Paramount Plus has them like scaling a mountain. (laughs) And I'm like, Uh, let them be. So weird. So after after that, uh, we are backstage. Yeah, this is where we find out Jay is actually presenting an award. Uh, So he's backstage getting ready. And then he finds that the actual... Oscar statues are made of chocolate. <gasps> it's chocolate. Oh, no, I want one more than ever. <laughs> hilarious. Um, so then the very next scene where Jay is actually presenting the award, he's got the Oscar with him and it's like half eaten. And he, and he burps and it's beautiful. <laughs> to present the award for best documentary, film critic Jay Sherman. I guess yeah, good burps on this show. They always they always go 
they 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 turn it up to ten for the burps. <laughs> you know, Jay got to see an Oscar up close in person. I guess since we are both associated with the Pack Theater, we've kind of had an opportunity to see an Oscar in person because of mm-hmm. um, David Rabinowitz, who wrote Black Klansman, won the Oscar for Best Adapted Screenplay, shared it with Spike Lee and his writing partner. And then, yeah, did you like see um, like when David like brought his Oscar to the theater? Yeah, ju- I went just to see it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I, yeah, uh, I had to know like, like, what is it like actually like, well, A, winning an Oscar, but then B, like sharing the stage with Spike Lee. Like that must have been incredible. Uh, but yeah, so um, so yeah, Jay is presenting the award for best documentary. Mm-hmm. Then we don't, yeah, they don't really go over like what the nominees are or anything. I think they just, they just go to the next thing. Which is the musical tribute to film critique. <laughs> yes. And now to make sure we don't finish by midnight, a musical tribute to the film critic. We watched every movie last year. We rated every kiss and every tear. We saw Tom Cruise sucking blood. Meg Ryan hit the booze. We saw 13 with you, Brent. And 7 by John Hughes. Thumbs up. Thumbs down. Although I love that the announcer says, you know, to make sure we don't finish by midnight, here is this musical number. Yeah. And then, and then, yeah, the, this big musical number, Siskel and Ebert um, and Gene Shalit are all in it. It's, yeah, it's amazing. Like there are some amazing songs on this show because they, they did have the same musical director as the Simpsons. So okay, they, they get some good stuff. Uh, I love the joke, the, the main joke that comes out of this. So they, uh, the critics are popping out of like a large set piece. Yeah. And Jay misses his cue and he comes out <laughs> and they just push ahead. And uh, so they say something about a, a film about racial tension. And then Jay finally bursts through the set piece and says, it stinks. Except for Jay Sherman, who Next presenter won an Oscar into Kill a Mockingbird, an unforgettable film about growing up in a climate of racial hatred. It stinks! (gasps) (gasps) How awkward. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Worst possible time. Just again, Jay, like, you know, that's exactly Jay's luck. Like, yeah, of course that, that would happen to him. Of course. But yeah, so... On the plane ride back, we kind of see Siskel and Ebert are up in first class. They're uh, watching the, I guess, the sequel to Rain Man called Snowman. Our movie in first class today is the sequel to Rain Man, entitled Snowman. Now, I want to warn you, your brother is a little uh, special. Five minutes to Northern Exposure. Gotta see Moose. Gotta see Moose. And then we we go back to Jay and Alice who are in what economy class or whatever it is, which looks like a like a steerage. <laughs> yeah, like a like a literal like alleyway like you would find in a inner city or something. 
I like I well I used to fly kind of semi regularly obviously not in the past year or so but um a lot of the the flights I've taken have been on Southwest which does not have like different classes like it's all the same like they're like a I don't know if you want to say like a communist uh airline or whatever but <laughs> but yeah like for a long time I didn't even know first class was like a thing I used to have a program for Southwest, a website called A1 Day One that you could register and it would automatically check you in 24 hours before your flight. So you could get into the A boarding group to get, you know, closer to the plane and like get your seat that you want. And then Southwest Airlines said, nope, and disabled it. (laughs) It brings us to, I loved the joke. Uh, So they're, they're about to get served food. Chicken or fish? Fish, please. No, I mean, which is it? Chicken or fish? And they show this, yeah, this weird, like, it is like a chicken-fish hybrid. It's like this really weird, like, fish with, like, chicken wings on it. Um, Which, you know, airplane food, like, the most cliche joke you can do, I guess. But I've never seen that angle taken on it yeah yeah it was like an elevated take on it for sure (laughs) and then we check back in with siskel and ebert who uh (laughs) as they are wont to do they give a review of uh snowman well i thought that film was very poignant particularly the scene where tom cruise walks around las vegas with a bucket full of his brother Oh, come on, Gene. That was just another pointless sequel that didn't have to be made. This? From the man who liked Benji the Hunted? Hey, you like Carnosaur. Well, I'll bet you'll like this. And, you know, they disagree. And, like, on their actual TV show, the most interesting moments are, of course, when they disagree and kind of get into an argument. Uh, But here the argument kind of uh, gets out of hand. They end up in, like, a full-on, like, like, Air Force One, like, fight scene (laughs) <laughs> with like Ebert like dangling out the door. Get off my plane yeah. style. <laughs> yeah. Uh that was like Siskel saying that to to Ebert. Um uh, but then that leads to like an Air Force 1 thing straight into like the Twilight Zone movie thing with them on the wing and Jay seeing them out his window. <laughs> also, you know, seen that a million times but like yeah, you, you got to do it. Um and then, yeah, that kind of ends the second act. Uh, but that that is what kind of like gets Siskel and Ebert uh, to split up, as we see on the show Soft Copy. But first, this bombshell. Film critics Gene Siskel and Roger Ebert are breaking up. The split, if final, would end 40 years of upthrusting and down-dangling bodily appendages. Let's look back at their career. I guess a parody of hard copy. Um, I, yeah, I guess so. I never like, I never really watched any of those like tabloid shows like um, hard copy or current affair. Any of those. I gobbled them up. Really? (laughs) I loved them. Yeah. Like, I guess they would, that's like the number one place you would go for like celebrity gossip and such. Back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Now, nowadays we just have like Twitter. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then I, I loved this this like fake retrospective they do of their career where they started out as little kids with a roadside film critic business. 
On Chicago's south side, two young boys, Eugenistan Siskeliskan and Rogerario Ibertovsky, open a roadside film criticism stand. What did you think of Samson and Delilah, boys? Overblown and underwritten, sir. I liked it. Thanks, boys. You've been of absolutely no help. Yeah, that was great. Uh, a nickel for film critique. <laughs> <laughs> and even the, the guy who tosses them a nickel is like, yeah, well, that was useless. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which I guess is is the prevailing like attitude uh, towards film critics, um, at least on this show, kind and of, kind of in real life, like yeah. people are gonna <laughs> see what they want. Like, do do critics like even really matter? But I don't know. I like reading critic reviews. <laughs> I was a film studies major. So like all I did was critique film, uh, you know, watch movies and critique them for my college. So that was, uh, you know, an experience Mm -hmm. for sure. Uh, And I was actually like, even after the show ended, I loved following Ebert's reviews. Like, especially when he gave like a negative review to a film, it would be very entertaining because he would just, just savagely just like rip it apart. Like, um, I don't know, like his review of Deuce Bigelow, European Gigolo, I remember being uh, especially hilarious. I can imagine he was, I mean, it was visceral when he would rip somebody (laughs) apart. I gotta say, I I miss it. I know he's been gone a few years, but like, yeah, I, uh, I still miss it. All right. Uh, Oh yeah. So, so Alice uh, suggests Jay should be. Uh, the new partner and uh, Jay seems kind of like not on board right away with that idea because we see an old episode with him reviewing or interviewing Willy Wonka. So tell us about your film, Mr. Wonka. We have a fascinating kind of candy that turns wicked children into giant blueberries. Hmm, where did it go? I have no idea. Son, you got a date with Mr. Smucker. <laughs> Jay eats what the the candy that turns you into a giant blueberry, just like from the movie. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, he just yeah he just turns into a giant blueberry again. Duke has a great line where he's like, uh, "Call the Smuckers, people!" Yeah, yeah, <laughs> as he's as he's rolling them out. Um, classic. Um, and that, the joke with him being a giant blueberry, does get called back later, uh, which is pretty great, but we'll, <laughs> we'll get there. So yeah, uh, Siskel and Ebert are looking for their new partner. Um, Ebert interviews a guy and shows him basically Arnold Schwarzenegger doing Mrs. Doubtfire. I am Frau Doubtfire. No, you're not. You're my husband in a dress. I am so a woman. Look at my fake bosoms. They are really grenades. They'll be back. Um, yeah. Which this, yeah, this show loves to rip on Arnold Schwarzenegger. <laughs> and the, the Mrs. Doubtfire thing was uh, pretty hilarious. You're not a nanny. You're my husband yeah. in a wig. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then his, his fake boobs, which are actually grenades, blow up. <laughs> and then the movie is so bad, the the guy melts like at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. And then, well, Ebert's not done with him yet. He's got another movie 
Sylvester and Frank Stallone in Yo Godot, I'm waiting here. <laughs> uh, which, yeah, I was I was an English major in college, uh, so I read a lot of a lot of plays, a lot of Shakespeare, of course. But we also read uh, Waiting for Godot by Samuel Beckett, which at the time I didn't really appreciate. I just thought it was kind of like weird and and boring. But I could only imagine what it would be like with Frank and Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, I mean. It's such a parody of itself at this point because it's been done by everybody from like Christopher Guest, but like, yeah, like waiting for Godot is just, it's such a good, simple joke. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, <laughs> I'm waiting here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I guess because, yeah, so uh, Sylvester and Frank Stallone, I guess, are they, I guess they're from New York, so they'd have that, that like mannerism of like, hey, I'm walking. Huh. Here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And there's another "Hey, I'm I'm uh, I'm walking here" reference a little bit later. Uh, the guy says, "Hey, like I'm ferrying here." Yeah, Jay's boat gets run through by yeah by the the ferry, and yeah, cl- just classic line. <laughs> so yeah, uh, Siskel also looking for a new partner. And the uh, the guy is giving a review of the latest Tim Allen movie that he loves. Tim Allen gives that same likable performance we always love. Once again, proving Disney pictures have the magic touch that may not win awards, but keep America smiling. How is that? You're Satan, aren't you? You win another round, Siskel, but we shall meet again. Yeah, I love that. <laughs> Uh, I would, I'd actually love to see, uh, like a movie review show starring Satan. Like that would rule. Uh, I agree. I mean, Lil Nas just dropped his music video and he's twerking on Satan. (laughs) I think like Satan is with it. He's new. He's got a fresh perspective. He would, I think, bring a unique lens to film criticism and I'm all for it. Yeah, And the kids love him. Kids love Satan. It's just like a known fact. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> um, uh, so then, oh yeah, so we kind of go back to Jay and Alice. <laughs> and Alice, yeah, she drops one of her, her wise Southern sayings. Honey, we have a saying back in Tennessee, be a mensch, not a schmendrick. If you don't try this now, you'll regret it all your life. Yeah, is that actually something that gets uh, uh, said in the in the South? Not that I've ever heard, and I've heard it all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah because Mensch, Schmendrick, of course, those are Yiddish words, not like Southern. Southern. Not Southern <laughs> words um, like y'all or... Chitlins. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I just love that, like the, the mashup of like Southern and Jewish culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, that this leads into yeah Jay singing his song about wanting to be Siskel or Ebert's partner. I'll be the biggest thing the world has ever seen when I team up with Roger or Gene. Judith Christ will be my queen. Nothing's gonna stop me now. Nothing's gonna stop us now. Yeah, yeah. I thought this was uh, awesome. 
so yeah, Jay's kind of walking through New York as he's singing. He gets, uh, he takes a, an anvil, then a piano, then a whale to the head. Like, yeah, just one of those moments where the show is generally grounded in reality, but every now and then they they just uh, go full on cartoon mode and get ridiculous. And I always kind of love it when that happens. Yeah, I do too. They kind of open it, you know, wide open. Yeah, like Jay's a, a serious film critic, but he he's you know he's not above taking a uh, anvil or whale <laughs> to the head <laughs> for a laugh. Okay, well uh, then we go back to the show soft copy that mentions there are already two movies being made about the Siskel and Ebert split, and then they show the Fox version. I thought this is maybe the joke in the show that has not aged well at all. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Basically, I guess because it's Fox and Fox are, is kind of either lowbrow or they're always just going for an African American audience. Which why is that a joke? But yeah, they just have a host who um, just says "booty, booty, booty." Yeah, boy, I have written here. Um, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Did not age well. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, uh, though I, I, it did remind me how, like, just the quickness with how something is being made into a movie. Like, did you did you follow the 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 whole GameStop stock price thing from last uh-huh. month? Stonks. Stonks. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, and how like there were like three movies announced just based on that just kind of amazing how how that happens and they're they're going to come out like minimum a year from now when everyone has forgotten about that i exactly but i can't wait to see i mean i'm sure out of the three one will actually make it to production and release (laughs) yeah (laughs) maybe we'll end up with two of them like we got two fire festival documentaries I absolutely love mirrors like, you know, Twin Peaks and Dante's Inferno, like the, <laughs> the movies that mirror each other oh, that yeah. come out for some reason at the same time. Uh, yeah. Like, uh, yeah, you mentioned uh, Dante's Inferno. Uh, uh, God, I'm, oh, not, not Apocalypse, the, the asteroid movie with Bruce Willis. What was that? Oh, my God. Oh my goodness. Uh, edit this to make us sound okay. smarter. Okay. <laughs> uh, Armageddon. Armageddon, right. Um, so yeah, there was also Armageddon and Deep Impact. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Hollywood just loves to do these things. Uh, was there, I remember when I, Tanya came out, there wasn't like a second Tanya Harding movie, was there? I feel like there was a documentary that came out around the okay. same time. <laughs> But I I don't think there was a second movie. Yeah, um, yeah. They just let Margot Robbie have uh, Tanya Harding to herself. <laughs> um, yeah, which was I, I actually I thought that movie was really good. I yeah I love that movie. Cool. So yeah, so Jay now uh, is trying to get hired by Siskel or Ebert. He'll take either of them. <laughs> but oh yeah, so we get kind of the, this um, this quick series of scenes where he just. He just shows up to wherever Ebert and, or Siskel are. Like, Ebert's at a restaurant. And he's like, I don't need Siskel. Why, I could take the next guy who walks by. Okay, the next one. Okay, anyone in this restaurant? You who? 
it heightens to Jay being in a fighter jet outside his house. Mm-hmm. And I love Jay's delivery on the, uh, hi, guy. Like, so weird and creepy. Hi, guy. Hi, guy. So weird and creepy. And then there was a great joke that's, uh, just think, you'll be the thin one. Oh, yes. Yeah, Jay try, trying to convince Ebert. Um, yeah. <laughs> A uh, lot of lot of weight based jokes on this show, of course. Mm-hmm. Like the opening credits have him, you know, ice skating in front of Rockefeller Center, and he cracks all the ice. And I'm like, he's not. I don't understand. Like he's not <laughs> that big. Yeah, like it's. I don't know. It's it's just a, a well that they go back to over and over. Yeah, they manage to keep finding like new ways to to make fun of his his fatness. I notice. So uh, we get to, yeah, this party that uh, Ebert and Jay are at. And um, there's a Rosie Perez robot at uh, this party, which uh, I guess she was in, I can't even remember. Was she in, um, was it Do the Right Thing? Or that was was earlier. Uh, Love and Basketball, but not that. White Man Can't Jump. Oh, okay. So that must have been the popular movie at the time. I honestly did not even look it up, but I just remembered, yeah, she was kind of a popular actress around that time. So she sent her robot to the party so she didn't have to be there. Hello, critical press agent. I hope you enjoyed. It could happen to you. Have I told you the amusing anecdote about my co-star? Ben Turpin. Ben Turpin's dead. Era, era, must recharge batteries. Which honestly, if if that technology ever becomes real, I'm totally jumping on that. Like, if I could send a <laughs> robot to go socialize for me and then I could just stay home. <laughs> I have enjoyed that element of what we're going through is is not having to always go out and make small talk and you know, do all the things. (laughs) Yeah. And now like every time you do meet a person, it's like special and you're really excited about it. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And it's like, it's more sincere. Yeah. Like I, I hope that lasts. I I hope it does. I agree. Uh, the, there's a great joke where it's like, Oh, there's also a William Shatner robot. (laughs) And they're like, no, that's just him. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love that. Um, I could kind of, you could kind of see it coming, but yeah, it's it, it's just perfect. So then uh, we go back to Duke's office, or I guess we're in Jay's office, but Duke is like listening to Jay's answering machine, um, where he gets an offer from both Siskel and Ebert, um, and they both mention they want Rex Reed out of their hair. This was something I did have to look up because like. I guess Rex Reed was also a popular film critic at the time, but uh, okay. Yeah, I uh, like I don't have any point of reference for <laughs> for who he was. I, and you, same deal. Same deal. It went right over my head, and I just didn't look it up. <laughs> uh, oh well, sorry, Rex Reed. <laughs> Your legacy lives on. Yes. I promise. <laughs> uh, yes, you 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 will not be forgotten. Um, uh, but yeah, so now confident that he's going to be, you know, 
the big new critic with Siskel or Ebert, Jay leaves. And Doris pipes up and says, her contract says that she gets to take over the show. Which they don't they don't really pay off. Like we never get to see Doris actually like reviewing a film. Exactly. I would have loved to have seen like the 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 you know after the credits, like little cutaway to be Doris doing the job. That would have been great. Yeah. Well, but uh anyway, so we get to Jay first goes to Siskel. So they're uh on set and uh Siskel immediately starts trying to dress Jay up as Roger with the wig and the glasses and everything. You don't look right. Put on this wig. What? Now, the glasses. You're making me look like Roger. Just do what I say. Damn it, Gene, I'm not Roger. I'm never gonna be Roger. I wish I were. (laughs) But then I... Loved this a lot more. At Ebert's house, Ebert is going through his old photo album. I love that. Just the, the, just the show kind of plays with the idea that Siskel and Ebert are more than just, you know, on a TV show together, that they are, like, almost like life partners. Yeah, like, like great friends, life partners, like, significant others, but not in a romantic way. Yeah, like, like, like platonic lovers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because yeah, we're we're actually gonna get to a uh, a sleepless in Seattle moment later on, but um, but yeah, Ebert kind of does a, a similar thing that Cisco does. He keeps referring to Jay as Gene. So, <laughs> although and then the last thing we see is is Ebert using a seesaw by himself. <laughs> it's just very funny uh, visual. But basically, yeah, getting to this idea that uh, Jay needs to get Siskel and Ebert back together. Because, um, yeah, they, they, they were born to, to be with each other. Uh, oh, but, <laughs> but before we get there, we have another song, the Siskel and Ebert song. The moonlight on his hair The twinkle in his eye the way he said thumbs up, the way he said thumbs down, the, the way, way he said goodbye. This one, this one was probably my favorite of the episode. What did you think? Yeah, I like this one the best because uh, you know Duke sings to like right. everybody gets in there. Uh, yeah, I was. I mean, like I mentioned earlier, just so surprised to hear that they actually got Siskel and Ebert to to sing when they are not like professional singers or anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so great. Um, so Jay tells Alice he can't take either job, which kind of leads to, I don't know, Alice says she has, I don't, I don't know, we get to the birth of man on the Sistine Chapel somehow. I forget how. Yeah. And that, And then Franklin bursts through, <laughs> with a helicopter god I, I love franklin he's probably my favorite character yeah he's great uh ruins the painting keeps up with the gag does a <laughs> you know a flat uh oh i was trying to think of the word for callback but i couldn't oh. think of it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and I, I it's especially amazing just because like you know alice is back in new york she doesn't need a babysitter anymore so 
Franklin is just doing this in his off time, uh, which is awesome. Um, uh, and then, or, oh yeah, so so yeah, Jay needs to get Siskel and Ebert back together. The way he does that, in the most film critic way possible, I guess, he calls each of them and impersonates Woody Allen and invites them to a, a secret interview. Yeah, what did you think of this part? I just watched Allen versus Pharaoh and I was like, I'm so skeeved out. I've never seen a Woody Allen movie. I somehow escaped film school without watching Woody Allen. I just don't care for him. I, I'll say it. <laughs> so brave of me. No. But yeah. uh, <laughs> um, the, there was a great joke that uh, where Allen or Jay as Woody Allen says, Sunni. Yeah. <laughs> Daddy's on the phone and it just it creeped me out all over again. Yeah, it's so weird that like everyone knew back then that he was creepy, but they just like made a joke about it. They didn't really try to do anything about it. They just yeah. let him keep making films. Yeah. Which I guess is he still making films or is he fi- has he like finally run out of like uh, countries that don't think he's a weirdo yet to move to. I I don't keep up, uh, if you will. He's not my Kardashians. I don't uh-huh. keep up. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'm not sure, but I hope that he's stopped, you know, just for everyone's sake. Yeah. Uh, I also watched the um, uh, Alan V. Farrow documentary and yeah, some tough stuff in there. But But it's like, it's all stuff that, he's been accused of before. Like if you pay attention to the news or like, I remember when Ronan Farrow's like actual article came out, I was like, what, like, why wasn't that enough? Like, why wasn't that the end of it? I know. I know it's, I know it's so gross and ugly, but they set up, uh, Jay sets up this like sleepless in Seattle <laughs> yeah. moment to meet at the empire state building. Yeah, which, okay, I've not seen Sleepless in Seattle. I'm going to assume it doesn't actually take place at the Empire State Building. It probably takes place somewhere in Seattle. It um, does, yeah. <laughs> okay. okay, good. Um, and do they do the thing with, like, lighting up the buildings? Uh, they they do the thing where they they are both meet at the Empire State Building, or not the Empire State Building, obviously. Uh, <laughs> they meet uh, at some building in Seattle, and it's 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 like played pretty like beat for beat. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, I figured it. It probably was, but so yeah, H- Hebert and Siskel meet at the Empire State Building, where Jay has arranged a string quartet and a bottle of champagne. Oh, this is just a ripoff of Sleepless in Seattle. Which was in itself a ripoff of An Affair to Remember. Which, which wasn't, wasn't that good of a movie to start with. <laughs> and that leads them to realize that they're perfect for each other because they both, uh, you know, can hate films in the same way. And and they reunite. Uh, and then the, the lights change to two thumbs up, uh, which I loved. Which I loved. <laughs> Um, and then they go back to their film criticism show in in the real world, I guess. Um, uh, but yeah, so Jay goes back to his old show. Duke says he's glad to have Jay back. And I thought, cut to Doris doing the show. Show why Duke is happy to have him back. Exactly. Show, show the joke. But we weren't writers in 1995. <laughs> 
True, true enough. I was uh, merely, I would have been nine years old at this point, I think. Um, Same. I'm an okay. 86 baby. Oh, nice. Yeah. Well, I, I, I was born in 85, but like I was born late in the year. So I, assuming yeah. this was early in the year. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, yeah, we don't get, we don't get Doris hosting the show. We get this kind of lame gay joke that is actually a running gag kind of throughout the series of Duke thinking Jay is secretly a homosexual. Uh, another thing that kind of hasn't aged well, but not not at all. <laughs> yeah. But uh, at least we get uh, Siskel and Ebert back uh, in their theater reviewing. Well, actually, they they're reviewing the episode we just saw. They kind of do a like a meta kind of thing. Um, and the last thing we see is Jay has the giant blueberry rolling through the theater. And Siskel and Ebert, they just, they've had enough. They get up and leave. Well, Gene, I thought some of the parodies were funny, but a lot of the show just didn't make any sense. That's it. We're out of here. (laughs) (laughs) And that's the episode. Cool. Uh, I guess, um, Erica, was there anything, any other jokes or anything from this episode that you wanted to talk about that we maybe glossed over or anything like that? I think we hit on all the major jokes. I like the very, very end, like post credits where Jay is stuck in a theater chair. <laughs> yeah. Oh, like yeah. another, another well fat joke. <laughs> yeah, basically. Well, I, <laughs> I, th- I think I can take it in, in, in one of two ways. Either. Yeah. He's so fat that he's stuck in the chair or it's like the seat is so dirty and covered with probably like old candy and stuff. <laughs> it's that he's sticky. stuck in the chair. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, take it as you will. It's probably a fat joke anyway, but um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I I thought overall this this is a great episode. It's definitely unique in the fact that they got two actual film critics to do yeah. their own voices on a show about a film critic, like two of the biggest film critics ever. Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> in the world. <laughs> And they sang, which is yes. magical. <laughs> we have that to treasure forever. Siskel and Ebert singing a love song to each other. Cool. Well, Erica, thank you so much for, for going through this episode with me. Uh, tell people where they can get more of your stuff. Yeah, you can find me over at the Trashy Trashy Podcast. That new episode drop every Monday. We are at Trashy Trashy Pod on Instagram and on Twitter. And you can find me at, at Iconic Erica Curry on Instagram, where I am constantly posting photos of my cats, photos of Dolly Parton, and old photos of myself because I haven't taken any during the pandemic. All, all very good things. Uh, <laughs> I have to say Trashy Trashy is a, a great podcast. It's hilarious. Oh, thank you. Uh, you and, and Cass are, are great hosts. Uh, definitely everyone check that out. Um, and yeah, and we will, uh, see you all next week on the next episode of it stinks. The critic podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of it stinks. The critic podcast. I'm your host, Brian Rubinow. Our theme song is by Brandon Beck. You can email the podcast at itstinkspod at gmail.com and find us on Twitter and Instagram at itstinkspod. 